Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. This took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Pastor Janet already said it, but I'm going to say Merry Christmas this morning. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, I'm Pastor Billy, and uh, I serve as the pastor of discipleship here and have the privilege to kick us off this week in our Advent series. Yeah, you can see the name over there, God with us. We've been talking about it. We're going to keep talking about it. And I hope we never get over talking about it. Our lead pastor, Pastor Adrian, he's bringing the word at our East Rock campus this morning down in Elkton. And so uh, I have the privilege of, of opening up our Advent series. And it's that time of year again. Whether you're ready or not, it is Christmas time. Uh, for some, this season is their favorite time of year. Uh, that would be my family. Um, for others, this season is extremely difficult. And still for some, maybe some of you, the marketing of the season has clouded and distracted or even blinded them from the true meaning of the Christmas season. So what is it that we should celebrate? What is it we should celebrate? What is the simplest word to boil down what this season is really all about? We often make things complicated for ourselves, or maybe that's just me. 
We often make it more complicated than it needs to be for ourselves or for others. But this Advent, we want to fix our eyes, we want to fix our hearts on the one thing, the one word that Christmas celebrates and proclaims and is really all about, and that is presence. And no, I didn't say presence, right? I didn't say presence. Some of y'all are like, where is this going? Pastor Billy had too much eggnog this morning. And I only use that because it's Christmas. I don't even like eggnog, okay? That stuff's yucky. And although presents are great, right? Presents that ends with an S, the ones we receive, that's not what we're talking about. Christmas is about presence. The presence of God. Let me read it again for you. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And some of you may be saying to yourselves this morning, on the first Sunday of Advent 2023, I've been following Jesus for years, and I've heard the story of Emmanuel. And I say to you, well, praise God this morning and bless his holy name. Somebody should say amen, because you've experienced the grace of God with you personally in your life, and that should change everything. Has it changed everything? Let's keep looking at the story. The presence of God, this is what we're talking about throughout the season of Advent. The presence of God himself, the creator, coming to take up residence with his creation in his creation. So the Christmas season is a celebration of and evidence for the miracle of his presence. Matthew, we just opened up with Matthew. That's where we're reading from. Matthew often interprets uh, events in Jesus' life throughout his gospel in terms of prophecies from the Old Testament. In terms of Jesus fulfilling prophecies from the Old Testament. And this is the first instance, the one we just read, where he's referencing the prophet Isaiah. This is the first instance of this type of interpretation found in Matthew. Now in his life, Jesus fulfilled, to be conservative, over 300 prophecies from the Old Testament. That's a conservative number. Over 300 were fulfilled in Jesus' first coming and in his life. And why do I say that? Because some, and maybe for the skeptics in the room, maybe you're in the room or you're listening online, and for you, uh, you're not against the Christmas season, but you really wrestle with this idea of the incarnation. This idea that somehow God, the creator, uh, became human. Not just appearing human, but he put on flesh, that he became one of his creation. And so for the skeptics of God with us, I want to present you uh, with this study from Peter Stoner. Uh, in his book, Science Speaks, Peter Stoner applies the modern science of probability, right? So the modern science of, of probability, uh, it's not a Christian science, it's just it's a scientific method of probability. Um, he, he applies that to just eight prophecies regarding Christ. And I want to show you this because I want to show you that Jesus is who he says he is. That he was who he says he was and forever will be. And so he applies the modern science of probability to just eight prophecies. Just eight of them, right? I said Jesus fulfilled over 300 in his lifetime. He takes eight of them. 
about Jesus coming, who he was, how he was born. And, and he takes eight of those prophecies, over 300 that were fulfilled, and he says this in the study using that scientific method. He says, the chance that any man might have fulfilled all eight prophecies, that one man could have fulfilled all eight prophecies, is one in ten to the 17th power. I don't have that number on the screen, but that would be one with 17 zeros after it. None of you know how to say that number. No one in here is smart enough to say that number. It is 100 quadrillion. That's the chance that one man could fulfill just eight of those prophecies. Stoner suggests that, here's, here's what it looks like. We take 10 to the 17th silver dollars, 100 quadrillion silver dollars, and we lay them on the face of Texas. Y'all know how big Texas is. And they will cover the entire state two feet deep. That's how many that is. That's the number that we're dealing with here. Now mark one of those silver dollars and stir the whole mass thoroughly. Blindfold a man and tell him he can travel as far as he wishes, but he must pick up that, that one marked silver dollar. What chance would he have of getting the right one? Stoner concludes, just the same chance that the prophets would have had of writing those eight prophecies and having them all come true in any one man, providing that they even wrote them in their own wisdom. That's the probability. That's who we're dealing with here. Jesus is who he claims to be. So let's take a closer look. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to go a little bit further back than where we began. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 18. It's going to be on the screen here. We have an event set up in the YouVersion Bible app each and every week where you can follow along with some extra notes as well. Matthew 1 and 18, and this is what it says. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. But I thought he was called Emmanuel. Let's take a closer look. The angel instructs Joseph to name the child Jesus, right? That's what we know him by. This is what he's called throughout his earthly life and in the early church, and that's what we call him today. The vocation of Jesus, the calling to save Israel from their sins, is yet another sign, to use Isaiah's language, of Emmanuel, that this child to be born will save Israel from their sins, not from their enemy's rule, but from the enemy's rule, from their sins, is another sign that this is Emmanuel. We have no record of Jesus ever being called Emmanuel by his family or his followers. Instead, as, as Matthew translates it for us, we see that the name is intended as a title to indicate Jesus' messianic identity, that he is God with us. Both his common name and his titular name indicate profound truths about who he is. Jesus specifies what he does. God saves. And Emmanuel specifies who he is. God 
with us. God saves. He is God with us. Warren Wearsby, it's on the screen here. He says this, Jesus is his human name. Christ is his official title. And Emmanuel describes who he is. God with us. Jesus Christ is God. Don't miss that today, okay? Don't miss that today because that changes everything. That sets Christianity apart from all other world religions. There are not uh, multiple ways to get to eternal life. There is one way, and it is the God-man. It is Jesus Christ who is God. And note how Matthew, if we would turn to the back of Matthew in Matthew 28, the gospel writer concludes his gospel with the same theme that he begins it with. Where Jesus promises his disciples when he's taken back to heaven, right? When he's leaving earth, just as Matthew declares when he uh, enters into creation, when he's leaving, Jesus promises his disciples this in 28.20. I will be with you always. This child to be born is God with us. And as he leaves, he says, I will be with you always. So in Jesus, God is with us indeed. Don't miss it today. He is the only way. Warren Wearsby continues, The Israel of Jesus' day is really not that much different from the plight of many people in our global society. Every day people suffer the effects of economic, social, and spiritual oppression to which the gospel of Jesus Christ and its message of salvation bring hope and bring healing. Yes, even today, not just at that first Christmas, not just in the life and ministry of Jesus, but both today and ever since Jesus was born. Look at Psalm 68. If you want an introduction of who this God is, this God with us, Psalm 68 says this, because this season's hard for some, is it not? Maybe it's hard for you today because you're lonely. Maybe it's hard today because you're missing someone that you love. Listen about this introduction of who this God with us really is. Psalm 68 verse 4 says, Sing to God, sing in praise of his name, extol him, he is who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him, his name is the Lord. Verse 5, he is a father to the fatherless. He is a defender of widows. This is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. This is the introduction of the God who has invaded our space. A father to the fatherless today. A defender of widows. The one who sets the lonely in families and leads out the prisoners with singing. Do you know him like that today? I love, I love the, the classic Christmas uh, hymns and songs that declare the good news of his arrival and, and who he is. Uh, oh, holy night, joy to the world. We, we could name them all. But there was a song written just a, a handful of years ago. Uh, it's called Arrival. And uh, it was a Christmas song. And uh, I just want to read the lyrics to you. I want to read you these lyrics and, uh, and allow them to sink in. Allow this reality of God with us this season to, to change Everything about the way you experience the season. It says, who is God that he would take our frame? The artisan inside the paint. 
Oh, breathe the very breath of air his breath sustains, the architect inside the plan. Oh, come now, hail his arrival, the God of creation, royalty robed in the flesh he created. Jesus, the maker, has made himself known. All hail the infinite, infant God. The one who had no start and knows no end became confined in time and tense. The everlasting God, the great I am, in the mercy of a mother's hand. The one who holds the stars in the creases of his hand is the one who holds my heart like a mother once held him. The one who knows what lies where space has run its course, embraced a baby's mind, and now I can know my God. The monarch of the stars, the king above all kings, the ruler of my heart and the savior of my sins. The one who sees what lies in each and every soul, embraced our finite eyes, now we can see our God. The holy word of God defined by name, the author climbed inside the page, love embraced our fate, all hail the arrival of our maker God embraced our frame when he graced the world he made. All hail the divine in a manger. Love embraced our fate when the playwright took the stage. All hail the arrival of our maker. That is Christmas. That is what Advent is all about. This is how John writes it in John 1.14. This is the message paraphrase on the screen here. Listen to what John says about the arrival of our maker. He says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Maybe you know it. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He says, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. John 1.14 is one of the most important verses that we find in our Bibles. Why? Because what John is declaring is that the presence of God with us changes everything in our lives. The word did not just appear to be human. The word became flesh. And this assertion stunned the Greek minds. Because for them, the separation of the divine spirit and the mundane world, the flesh, the sark, the, uh, the separation of those was central to their belief of divinity. This blew their mind. They couldn't handle it. But the second phrase is equally stunning even for the Jews and for most of us. That the word not became flesh, but that he dwelt among us. That word there, for made his dwelling among us in John Mark 14, uh, is skeno, which literally means to tabernacle with us. That the God of creation, the outside God, the God who at, at, at any point could only be accessed uh, by visiting the temple, by going to the temple where his presence resided, has now invaded his creation. He has came to tabernacle with us, to be with us in the flesh. And so at that first advent, that first Christmas, God literally moved into the neighborhood. And listen, I know, for those of us living on this side of the cross, that might seem like a small thing. It shouldn't. 
It shouldn't. That shouldn't uh, get old. But if you were in Israel when the Savior was born, after 400 years of silence introduced by Malachi, we were there last week in our series, we finished up our series on the minor prophets, and we ended with Malachi, where we heard in the video, God declares both his uh, severity and also his promise that he will keep his promise for those who are true to him, for those who are faithful, for those who stay steadfast. And so after 400 years of silence, the arrival of the promise would have been a shockingly wonderful concept to consider. Let me read it again from Matthew. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So you see here, Matthew has taken us way back to when, uh, when the Messiah's arrival was originally promised. Back 3,000 years or so from our point now, hundreds of years before Jesus would actually arrive to where the prophet Isaiah is first declaring. Isaiah 7.14 says it almost exactly the same. He says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And then hundreds of years pass and we get to Malachi. Malachi 4.2 but for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings and you will go free, leaping with joy like calves left out of a pasture. Another reminder of the promise to come. And then 400 years of silent waiting. Waiting and waiting before we would get to the announcement that we read about in Matthew. The announcement that the promise was about to be reality. Have you ever been in a moment like that? Where what is promised, where what is expected is about to become reality. Can you sense that anticipation even now? What that feels like welling up inside of, welling up, it, it, it's about to explode, it's about to overflow because it's about to be reality. But there was waiting. I think that's another good word to describe this Advent season. God with us this first week in the waiting. That's what I want to talk to you about the rest of our time this morning. God with us in the waiting. You see, the intertestamental period between Malachi and Matthew, between the Old Testament and the New, where we have uh, 400 years of waiting. Have you ever waited a long time for, for something? That's a rhetorical question. Maybe you're in a season like that right now. But maybe this season for some of you uh, hasn't just been a couple weeks, a couple days, a couple months. Maybe it's been years. Maybe you've been waiting decades. Maybe you've been waiting almost a lifetime. Not quite 400 years. But that doesn't minimize the weight you may feel in your waiting. But the 400 years, I want you to see this, the 400 years of waiting wasn't 400 years of inaction on the part of God. God was always preparing, always working. You see, the Lord's plan for redemption was just as active the day before Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary as it was when Jeremiah and Isaiah first prophesied about it. What people did in the waiting mattered to God. And it matters to him today. Look at Mary, the mother of Jesus, as an example. Her faithfulness in the waiting 
led to her fruitfulness when the Lord's time had finally come. You see that? That faithfulness will often lead to fruitfulness in our lives. In fact, it seems as though Mary was chosen because of how she believed and acted in the waiting. You see, some in that day may have seen the time as so long that they had forgotten about the promised Messiah and went on with their lives. Well, he won't, I don't think, not in my lifetime, what about you and I as we wait? Are we living different today, church? Are we living different because God is with us, because of the reality of Christmas? Have we too often drifted and passively allowed our desires to be set on other things and other people and other ways in our season of waiting? Are we guilty of living like those people were living when God came that first advent, when he came as a baby in a manger to a lowly teenage girl, and so many of them missed it? Look, at the first advent, we find people waiting with patience and with faith. There are many in the story. This story is about waiting. We find them waiting with patience, with perseverance, with faith. We see the story of Anna who is waiting in the temple for God's deliverance. We see Simeon, a righteous man who is waiting to see the Messiah that God has promised before he dies. We see Mary and Joseph and the shepherds. And we see wise men from the east waiting with patience and faith for God to deliver what he has promised. Is that how we wait on God today? Is that your posture as you wait? Let's look quickly. I want to look quickly back to the beginning of the story. And I'm talking about the story of God's people. Way back in the family line of Jesus to a man called Abraham. Abraham is a powerful example of patience, of perseverance, of waiting on the Lord in faith. The Apostle Paul reminds us in the book to the Romans. Romans uh, chapter 4 beginning in verse 18 says this. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Man, I want to be like that. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. Verse 21, Romans 4, he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. So you see, the faith of Abraham consists in being fully persuaded God had the power to do what he has promised. Are you fully persuaded today in your waiting? Listen, in spite of Abraham's physical condition, he took God's promise at face value and he acted accordingly. In his waiting, he was acting according to his faith. Abraham believed in God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. And so he trusted God and obeyed him even in the waiting. Even when his physical eyes could not see anything happening, Abraham was faithful in the waiting. And you say, what in the world does that have to do with Jesus? Look back at Matthew 1.1. 1, 1. 
Look at how the gospel writer begins the account of Jesus. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Do you see that? Don't miss it. Because of the faithfulness of Abraham, because of his faith in God's promise, we see the promise realized in Jesus the Messiah. Centuries later, decades later, because of Abraham's faithfulness, we see the promise realized. As the worship team comes, I want us to consider this. We're often tempted to believe two lies. In our seasons of waiting, we make two great mistakes. We believe two lies uh, when we're asked to wait, when God seems silent. Just as many did during those 400 years of silence when Israel uh, had waited, and just as many have done since then and before. And the reality is that you might be believing them even today, sitting in a worship service or listening online. These are the two lies we're tempted to believe in our waiting. The first is this. To believe that God is not with you. In the silence, you believe that God's not with you. He's absent. Where are you, God? And the second lie that we're tempted to believe in our seasons of waiting is this, that God is not working, that he's aloof to your situation, that he's not working and he is not with you. Those are the lies that we're tempted to believe when we're in seasons of waiting, when God seems silent. And friends, here's the reality. Everyone's waiting in some way today. This message is for all of us. Now, yes, some, some of you are in a season of prolonged and more difficult waiting. But maybe you're waiting today. Maybe you're waiting for dinner tonight. Man, some, it's your favorite meal. Maybe you're waiting for the right one. Maybe you're just waiting on a phone upgrade, Right? Maybe you're waiting for that special gift. Maybe you're waiting for the test results to come in. Maybe you're waiting for an answer. Maybe you're just waiting for another chance. Maybe you're waiting for a friend. Maybe you're waiting for that phone call. Maybe you're waiting for the right time. Maybe some of you are just really good at waiting for your spouse to get ready. Ladies, do you see what I did? I said spouse, not wife. Okay. Maybe you're waiting for vacation. Maybe you're waiting for the baby to be born. Maybe you're waiting for a door to open. Maybe you're waiting for an answer to your prayers. And you've been praying for a long time. Maybe you're waiting for God to be exactly what he's promised to be. Let me remind you today, church, how we wait matters. What we do in the waiting matters to God. The way we wait is influenced by what we believe. But the reality is, most of us are not that good at waiting. Don't raise your hands. Many of us are like my son, my four-year-old son, who when we leave for a long trip, we're going to Kentucky or we're going out of town on vacation and and he asked me shortly down 81, you know, we're, we're heading down 81. And he says, Dad, are we getting close? Are we still even in America? And I'm like, no, actually, we're nearing the border. We just passed Stanton, Holden. We just get impatient with waiting. 
Because in our own strength and our own flesh, responding to waiting most of the time is in God's way that he desires is it's just not possible. And there's forces working against us. Our world says faster is better. Take the shortcut now or never. And our lives, if we're honest, they run at the tempo of Amazon Prime two-day delivery. For most of us, Sabbath rest is absent from our life. We run at the tempo of our smartphone that can connect us in a moment to the entire world. Instant is how we like it. And so according to our flesh, waiting is difficult. And when we wait, we typically take the wrong posture. In our waiting, we typically worry. In our waiting, we're typically whining. I'm guilty of that. In our waiting, we typically walk in our own ways and our own strength because we got to figure this thing out. In our waiting, we're, we're often working, but we're not working according to God's ways. We're working because for many of us, waiting is simply wasting time. And so in our waiting, often we wander. We just move about aimlessly trying to find the way. But in our waiting, because of the reality that God is with us, God desires that instead of worrying, we worship. God desires that instead of whining, we waive the rights to ourselves and we surrender our lives to him. God desires that instead of walking in our own ways and strength, we walk according to his ways by his power that is at work within us. God desires that in our waiting, Instead of working because we can't waste our time, we work to see his kingdom come and to see his will be done in our lives. And in our waiting, God desires, instead of wandering about aimlessly, get this, that we actually wait. That we slow down, we take time, we breathe, and we be still so that we can know that he is God and we are not. I have it on the screen here. In the waiting, I don't want you to miss the life-altering reality of Christmas, that God is with you. That's the good news of Christmas, especially in your waiting right now. I found this quote written in my Bible from 2019. It's on the next slide. It's from Pastor Adrian. 2019, this is our pastor, if if you're new to us. And he said this, the beauty of Christmas is that Jesus didn't just show up once. He keeps showing up. And so this Advent season, church, we're going to celebrate, we're going to reflect, we're going to be reminded and refocus on that truth, that he is with us in the waiting, in the uncertainty, in the obscurity, he is with us always. God, the Holy Spirit, lives in those who have repented of their sins and placed their faith in him. And some of you may feel like you're waiting on God today, but if you're in right relationship with Jesus The truth is you're waiting with God, even if you don't feel like it. And because of that reality, our waiting is different. He's not absent. He's not aloof to your situation. He is with you, and he is working. God is found in the waiting because he is still Emmanuel. And that is the greatest gift you can ever receive, the greatest gift you will ever receive. We're going to prepare to sing a song now in response. And this song has become a comfort to me. The worship team worked it up last minute, and I'm grateful. Because it means something to me personally. 
It's been a a reminder of his faithfulness, a melody of hope in particular seasons of waiting in my life over recent years. So I'm going to invite you to let it become that to you today. God is able to do whatever he promises. But it's been a long time. Peter said this, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? I want to offer two opportunities to respond this morning. The first is this. Maybe you're here today, or maybe you're listening online, and and you've heard this story, you've been a part of Christmas, you've attended a service, But you've never received this good news personally into your life. That God is with us to save us from our sins. To give us a new life. To give us hope beyond what we can see. And today you want to say, God, by faith, I want to receive the gift of your presence into my life. I I, I repent of my sins and I want you to enter in and make me your temple. If that's you today, if if you want to receive that, if you want to receive that good news personally by faith today, would you just stand where you're at? All heads bowed, eyes closed, would you just stand for a moment? And now I'm going to invite you to stand. If, If you sense this morning that you are in a season of waiting, if you find yourself in a place of waiting today, and you want to acknowledge the reality of Christmas that God is with you, even in the waiting, would you just stand this morning? to receive that reality, receive that truth into your life this morning. If you find yourself in a place of waiting, I don't know what you're waiting for, I don't know how long you've been waiting, but this morning you just want to stand and say, God, I know you see me, I'm in this season of waiting, and it's not been easy, but I'm trusting that your presence is with me, and that I will see your promise come to pass. Would you stand in faith this morning, if that's where you find yourself? And I'm going to pray. We won't tarry much longer. If you just want to stand, there's a few more in the room, I know. I know you want to stand in faith today. Listen, he promised he would be with you always. You are not alone. He is found in the waiting. Heavenly Father, I pray for those standing around this room. You know them by name, and I pray today, Lord, I pray today that they would know that you are not absent in their waiting and that you are certainly working even when when they can't see it, even when they don't feel it, even when they don't perceive it. God, I pray as they stand in faith that they would see your promise come to pass. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.